That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, a shortened edition, Andy and Dan test their green thumbs while we say goodbye to Mixer. You were so young. We look at the future console wars who will come out on top and Mary Jane's dopest stoner anthems for summer. We'll also be settling in for a quick smoke session. Stick around for that because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always, the one, the only, the Kool-Aid man, Dank Dan. Andy, I'm full of Szechuan chicken and chutzpah. Let's do this. Woo! Szechuan. Woo, spicy. A little spicy. I like it. A little spicy. Yes, Andy, Szechuan is the chicken of champions when you just got to go. <laughs> oh, that I believe, Dan. That I believe. Is this, uh, is this takeout, Szechuan, you ordered in or you made it? I got to move, not to go too deeply into it, but I get sushi from my corner joint with a bento box. They throw the Szechuan chicken in there, and it is actually better the day after because you can turn that white rice into fried rice. <laughs> Buddy, that's a complex. You know that you've really reached the epitome of living when you're cooking via takeout that's right right your meal solution also involves taking out and then and then riffing and iterating on the food you've arrived at thank you COVID 19 for that blessed uh that blessed amendment to home cooking my local japanese connection when i went by today he's like oh it's been a while since you've been here and i'm like "Uh oh (laughs) (laughs) that's how you know you're too deep but you know it's actually it's really funny and i don't know if it's like and by the way I must say, welcome to the Purple Dungeon Squid podcast, friendly listener. If you've not uh, been here before, this is a podcast about weed and video games, if we ever get around to talking about that. Um, But in general, right now, we're talking about Japanese food. And I wanted to say, Dan, I've got a relationship very similar. In fact, I will call my local sushi restaurant, and uh, I've literally said four words before they're like, oh, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like that's just too quick you just gotta you gotta pretend that i don't do this that often andy when you get to your gluten intolerance they know who they're talking to <laughs> i mean uh, so just let me rapid fire it at you uh with respect to szechuan chicken uh szechuan chicken or like americanized chinese general tao chicken general tao is highly subjective on where you go it there's a place go and get it there's a place in a town we know called one two three chinese that made the best general chicken in the universe and they've recently changed ownership and it's all gone man it's now just a memory but uh you can't beat a top-notch cornstarch laden general chicken yeah general tao chicken is kind of like going to like a like a Marshall's or a Winner's, if you're Canadian. Mm-hmm. You know, every now and again, there's a there's a real fine, but you got to dig through a lot of a lot of like uh, Ed Hardy shirts. I love the naming convention of like 
Chinese food places because they're still operating off the old playbook that says you have to be at the top of the yellow pages. So your place has got to be called A1 and then Golden Star. So they know exactly what they're getting before they read down. It's got to be or it's like one, two, three, A1, you know, all that stuff. That is the guerrilla tactics of the 90s, my dude. That is search engine optimization for the Yellow Pages. Work work smarter, not harder. Did you know that the Yellow Pages was founded in like 1865? Some like oh. crazy old date there. But uh, I digress, man. Let's get this thing back on the rails. Yeah, there you go. I used to roll joints on the Yellow Pages. For real, it was my joint rolling station nice. uh, through, throughout university. You know, it's time when in every apartment building, there's like a stack of Yellow Pages in the front <laughs> lobby that have yeah. been rejected because people are like, what do you <laughs> think I'm going to use this for? You know, that's exactly it. I had gotten my first condo to early 2000s. You know, I, I settled into my spot and I looked around and I like, do I roll up on the nice new glass table that my parents have purchased for me to learn on <laughs> for university? Probably not. Do I do it in the kitchen? I don't know. That seems a little scummy, at least when you have your first apartment. So I, I was respectful and I used the yellow pages because I knew for, for damn sure I would never be using a phone book. Good man. Listen, when I see that many phone books, I'm like, are a trium of strong men going to arrive to tear these in half? <laughs> I really, I just have to ask how in this day and age you can sacrifice that many trees to the yellow pages gods. I hope with the deepest hope that that's recycled paper. Buddy, otherwise blood on your hands. <laughs> Shame on you. Shame on you, Yellow Pages. It's virgin, virgin paper. <laughs> we have uh, we have not started off in a way that is conducive to the fact that we've got a very short, truncated episode. Yes. D yes. Dan has to zip off to work here shortly. I just spent five hours in a car without air conditioning in 33 degree heat. No AC. No AC, 33 degrees. So my innards have been lightly brazed. Steamed. You're a steamed, <laughs> steamed. ham. Steamed ham, and uh, luckily it hasn't affected my brain too much, uh, except uh, every fifth word or so, the back of my throat uh, uh, vibrates. Great audio. Great audio. Real good. It's what you want. It's what you want. So, Dan, you've been playing any video games lately, buddy? I have. I've been making time. I've been delving in, and we'll talk about it a little bit downcast, but I got good. my hooks into, and it also has its claws into me, the Warhammer 40K Martyr Inquisition. Ooh, ooh! You've you've ascended into the grim dark, or descended, I suppose. Descended into or forward in forward into the future. I don't know. <laughs> forward into the apocalyptic future. Yeah, that's a that's a beauty. We'll we'll circle around on that one. I do want to let you know though that the purple dungeon squid grow up is going quite favorably. This is uh this is a pretty pedestrian first year outdoor grow up. Um, if you haven't been following around by your friends here at the purple dungeon squid. And uh, a very legal four plants uh, being grown from seed. And Dan, I got to tell you, mm -hmm. uh, it's been a good, it's been a good uh, go so far. We got Barbara Bud grown in there. So Barbara Bud, mm -hmm. courtesy of our good friends out at Great Gardener Farms on the West Coast. Shout out to those folks. They make some genuinely Jurassic-sized fan leaves. So those are pretty neat. Uh, we got some Granddaddy Purple. We got some Skywalker OG. And a little Afghan, a little Afghani land race going on. Very nice. Now, uh, how how are the plants progressing? How high are they? Is there a difference between the varietals? Yeah, it's really neat. So, like, uh, you know, being a first a first year gardener, um, you don't really know what to expect. And so every step is kind of like, I, I hate to say it, but it's like 
it's like being a first time parent, Dan, because I, I got to I got to tell you, watching a plant grow from a seed. I've never sprouted seeds before. So sticking them in their little peat moss containers and, you know, wetting them a little bit and waiting for them to sprout was a, a real trip. <laughs> you know what I mean, and when they finally did sprout, I was beyond excited. And then they got to the point where they were like, oh, my goodness, they're growing. I got to put them in something larger. And so that was a transition, getting them into like, a, I got them in like a one and a half liter pot. I mean, basically like leftover gardening pots from planting assorted things on my property over the last five years. I finally found a use for like saving those <laughs> in the garage. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and so transplanted them in there, um, started feeding them fish feces and a little sheep manure. And they like that a lot. Do they like they like fish, fish feces? Fish choice. And I have to say, shout out to, uh, oh my God, what, where did I hear about fish feces? <laughs> to to <laughs> salmon. Shout out to salmon. Out to salmon. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like fish feces would be difficult to collect. I don't know You know what I mean? Like, uh, like sheep, maybe sheep manure. Like, maybe it's I like get you it. drain like a commercial fish tank and there's just a lot of... There's only one answer, buddy. Only one answer. Sam- salmon diapers. Oh, that's an episode title if I've ever heard one. Um, yeah, uh-huh. so they really like fish feces and, and sheep manure. Uh, one of the issues with outdoors is th- it's outdoors and therefore susceptible to several thousand bugs that want nothing, want to do nothing yeah. more than murder your marijuana. I got a tribalistic message from you that said that you had donned war paint, shed your clothes, gone into the garden in the middle of the night to attack some worms or caterpillars. <laughs> Tell me about yeah, that. So, um, caterpillars are uh, have never bothered me in the past. They're real bastards, though. No. They like eating your weed plants. Yeah. They want to eat little holes. And so I went away to the cottage for two days and came back on Monday, excited to see the progress. And I had asked my mother, actually, to come over uh, to our backyard and, and water the plants. I think it's grandmother here, because in this microcosm, I delivered you the seed. That makes me the father. You've planted and cared for the seed. Oh, no. So you're the mother. God so your for, mother God is forbid. the grandmother. God forbid. Well, that's just analogy. what it is. <laughs> oh, God. Are you ashamed oh, of me, Andy? I have ashamed never of my been seed? I'm ashamed of you. Um, <laughs> so she overwatered it in traditional overcaring fashion. It's really a perfect metaphor. For- nice. Perfect metaphor. A helicopter yeah. mother, even That's to the botanical. She had to make sure. Too many hugs for Annie, Andy. Too many waters it, for the buddy. planting. And, uh, and that's okay. Like, God bless. Um, turns out weed plants don't want too much water. They want just enough Mm-mm. or a little less, but yep. not too much. It's like you're yeah, a botanist. I know, right? It feels weird talking about these things. But anyway, so I came back from the weekend, excited to see the progress, getting ready to getting ready to tuck into uh, a little coffee. I, I, I often have coffee in the garden in the morning with, with, with the plants. And uh, I realized that they were all full of holes, Dan. And I don't know Uh-oh. if you can imagine how traumatizing that is. These are these are my, my babies, babies, Dan. And they have holes my in babies. them, Dan. And it was really upsetting. Mm-mm. And it... And so I found myself like doing the research, learning that this was either cutworms or caterpillars or garden slugs of some denomination. And so every morning and every night, I sneak into the garden with my flashlight, sometimes after a shower, so hard, hardly dressed. Mm-hmm. Barely dressed. But I am armed with a palette knife. <laughs> What's a palette knife? A palette knife is the kind of like, you know, the, the scraper you use to fill in your walls. I found one in my you know, laundry room, 
whatever. Oh, I call I call that a putty knife. Putty knife, sure. Palette knife, same thing. I think. Yeah. Anyway, sure. So I I walk into the garden. I'm armed with that, and I found me a big caterpillar on one of the leaves by the light of my iPhone around 11:30 p.m. And I pulled him right <laughs> off that leaf, Dan, and I cut him into four pieces. Oh and dear I lord! Left him there as an example to his foul kin. And that and is so the war was waged yes. against the caterpillars. Yes. And so if you're listening, caterpillars, everyone's welcome to listen to the Purple Dungeon Squid podcast, except for you. You know, it's wild. You can you like I'm not sure where caterpillars fall on like the OK to talk about killing thing. Like, for instance, you can kill as many mosquitoes as you like. You can pop on Facebook and said, I killed a billion mosquitoes in, up in the wilds, and people be like, thumbs up. But if it's bunny rabbits, you're out of luck. I wonder where caterpillars come in there. Because, like, if it, they're right behind mosquitoes, right, there's like five right people in the world that are like really pro caterpillar. Everyone else is a okay, especially if they grow weed. Now, if they had metamorphosized into butterflies, we're straight fucks, Phil. They never got the chance, no. man. They were too busy eating my weed. They should have made better decisions. Should have made better decisions with their lives. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so I'm excited to see the progress. I think they're up to like three or four nodes, which means like little sets of leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're getting tall. They're lashed to bamboo. It's exciting times, man. It's just fun to watch stuff grow. This is a learning year. You know, I don't know what the yields. I don't know if we're going to be dealing with fat yields 40 pounds. this year. 40 pounders. But uh, but it's just fun, man. It's just a really I'd encourage anybody who has never grown cannabis and has a passion for the plant to just try it. Honestly, you're just you're putting a seed in some soil and that's that's all that you need to do to get started. Yeah, it's it's both simple and complex. You can go as deep as you yeah. want or you can do with what my sweet sweet lady did was just find a seed in some of our bud and she just popped it in a, a pot and a couple of days later we see this sprout coming out. I'm like, "Hey, what's that plant?" She's like, "Oh, I jammed a seed in there." And he's uh and I do think it is a he. He's about uh, you know, 10-12 inches tall and sharing a space with a cactus. <laughs> you keep that filthy pollinator away from my female plants. Do not do not bring that anywhere nearby. Don't they want pollination? Are we plant yeah. puritans? Like we're like no dancing, no cross-pollination. Not in this no house. No pollination. Can't smoke that. Or you can, but it's full seeds and awful. Okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on, moving on. So tell me about this. I don't know what mixer is. Nice. I, first, I thought you meant you had gone to a mixer. Right. And I thought, that's really not appropriate given the current pandemic. Mm. And then I thought maybe your, your audio mixer was broken, sure. but I was wrong again. Yep. I was going to tell you to stop sticking your tongue in it, Dan, but yes. you know, there's no stopping you No, once you get an idea in your head. Uh-huh. But tell me about what is Mixer? So we're starting at the beginning. So Mixer is Microsoft's answer to Twitch, right? So it was a streaming oh. platform um, that you could stream right from your Xbox. The place I use it the most is we've been playing a lot of You Don't Know Jack. Uh, our friends, uh, my sister has an Xbox, and so she would stream it on Mixer and we would follow and play on our phones and it was a good old time. And it was pretty good. Like there's a little bit of latency, but they pitched it as a low latency uh, streaming platform. And Mixer has been kind of trying to be in the mix for a while. They famously went after a couple of the top streamers on Twitch, Shroud and Ninja, um, two of the top streamers and locked them into, I think, a $30 million contract for exclusivity and a $10 million contract for exclusivity. And they're like, okay, that's all we needed. Uh, the the masses will come. Well, not a lot of conversion. 
there has been some response, <laughs> but in the era of COVID, when everybody's uh, you know streaming and and doing everything online, where there was big increases in Twitch and Facebook gaming. Uh, the increase in Mixer was after a couple decimals. It was like decimal zero three. So they just abruptly, they're like, Mixer's done somewhere in July. For Shroud and Ninja, they're getting their full payout. <laughs> yeah, they're getting their 30 mil and their 10 mil. They said, and so for everybody else and Mixer and Shroud, they said, everybody here, we've talked to Facebook Gaming. They'll take everybody. Uh, Mixer and Shroud, do you want to get just paid out all your money or do you want to go to... Facebook gaming, they're like, <laughs> give me 20 suitcases full of money for everybody else yeah, yeah. that's built up a following on Mixer. They're going to get their partner program matched, like which is like what they're making. But who knows if their followers are going to convert. So a bunch of people got kind of whoa, whoa, wiped out. Wow, that's unfortunate. Good for, you know, those guys with that nice, that nice hot deal. Oh, man. Dang, 30 million, 30 million million dollars well done got to tell you facebook not that cool right now it's just not happening it's cool. not happening it's not hip when i hear facebook gaming it could be as dope as can be you know what i mean but i will yeah. never know i'll never know right well i mean like especially with you know major advertisers pulling out of facebook right now to um to protest or to otherwise not support the amount of hate mongering that happens on that platform uh, rather insidiously, you got Starbucks pulling out. Uh, you got what was it? I'm sorry, it's not escaping my mind right now. But very large advertisers, very recognizable companies. Um, so not it's Facebook's not in an amazing spot right now, just from a PR perspective, and it hasn't been arguably for a while. Your aunt Janice has to post her insane rambling somewhere, right? Yeah, it's become a real echo chamber for for just bad behavior, um, and it's really weird because they have been so anti-cannabis. You know, you cannot really unless you super skirt around the rules market any sort of cannabis business or service on there yeah right? you can't post ads can't do anything they're really militant about pulling that stuff down but racism hatred bigotry you know uh really gross stuff going on in some of these groups no big deal because you know generates the clicks so I don't know, man. It's uh, it's pretty pretty ugly. Facebook is like the ocean of social media. How do you police the ocean? You know, like it, it's just such a monumental task. Now uh, they're also not trying that hard, so there's that as well. <laughs> well that's the operative element. Well, they're trying really hard to not have allow cannabis to be a thing. No, not not trying that. And like, I mean, their position was we are not the arbiters of you know political uh, what's free right speech. Or wrong. Yeah, yeah, political free. Th that's just. I mean, yuck, yuck. Uh, on that note, uh, we have had some special requests for uh, our sponsors, which we have not been doing for about 10 episodes now, because I think, well, uh, I don't know what I think, <laughs> but what I do know is what you think, and what you think is our sponsors. And now for our sponsors, this episode of Purple Dungeon Squid is brought to you by Whedon Video Games. Whedon Video Games, we salute you. Also brought to you by Puzzles with No Pictures. Hey, are you tired of having that guiding light while you piece together these little pieces of podrahelic cardboard? Is that kitten staring at you with the judging eyes of a man that knows how they go together? Leave them, <laughs> Leave them aside and take that gray blank background. It's the shapes that matter, friend. That's it. Podrahelic is my new favorite word. 
Padrahelic. Odorless candles. Stinky smells, stinking up your house, juniper, ick, lavender, get out of here, cranberry sauce, it's not Thanksgiving. Come down to Dan's Odorless Candle Shop and get yourself a nice, pristine, smellless candle today. I would buy that. True, true, true story. And finally, brought to you by <laughs> Backing Star Citizen. Hi, friend. Is your wallet full and your heart full of dreams for the deep expanses of space? Send it our way, and we might do something sometime. Probably we'll just spend that money in a continually developing game that never quite hits the shelves. And if you feel too rich, buy a starship from us for 50,000 real dollars. That'll be fun. <laughs> They've made a game out of hopes and dreams, Dan. And you know what? All right. If you want to actually sponsor the show, feel free to email us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Till then, you'll have to put up with this nonsense. I'll maybe stop and then start again. All right, Dan. Well, why don't we uh, go down to the smoke sesh? Ooh, early smoke sesh. Then Dan, what are you smoking on today, my good dude? It's a little bit of a funny story. I texted my my favorite neighborino, and I said, "Hey, I need a new bud to review on on the cast. Can you help me out?" <laughs> and he popped over pronto style with a nug in hand, and I said, "Awesome! What do we got here?" And he goes, "It's ride my bike." I'm like, "Ride my bike? Are you sure that's not?" where's my bike he's like no 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 and he looks at me like his face twists up quizzically like how dare i he's just like what no it's ride my bike i'm like fair enough i i gladly accept this this gifted weed that i just looked in the horse's mouth about and uh hopped on friendly leafly and tried to find it Mm-mm. went to the wide internet Mm-mm. so i'm actually convinced this is where's my bike which i have right. reviewed before but totally That's appropriate it. nice <laughs> Well, uh, good for you, buddy. And uh, you do know there are legal cannabis stores open in this country. Open all the time. Open. Just wide open. Andy, do they deliver within five and a half minutes? I would implore you to support legal cannabis. And I I do. I do. There's fine dispensaries. They're clean. They're efficient. Lots of selection. Cannabis recreational retail stores. I love that about you that you said that thing just now. But I Not was I was in a we don't dispense. I, I love that. I love that. I love what you just said. But I did have to get some pronto weed gifted to me by my neighbor. But I will let you know there is a re upcoming, and I will grace one of those. What was the term again? Legal cannabis recreational stores. That's where I'll go. There you go. It really, you know, it is just so lonely up here on the moral, moral high ground. <laughs> How dare you besmirch Just me, sir? Looking, you're like an ant upon the ground up here from this lofty perch. I've broken no laws. Yeah, uh, well, that's debatable. Uh, today, I am smoking on a little Candyland. Candyland by Tweed is known as Houndstooth. Nice. And uh, yeah, some nice, uh, nice uh, smaller nugs, small on the smaller side. These little fellas here, um, a little popcorny, I would mention, but uh, very fragrant. There's a little bit of sweetness in here on this here Candyland. Um, you know, it's it's got like a looser bud structure, and I think that that's because there's a sativa dominant 
hybrid nature in here. Uh, and But like just a little sweetness with a hint of pepper. Looser, that's, that's what I got going on Looser here. Bud Structure is the name of my alt-funk band. Ooh. <laughs> um, Seinfeld I'm, is so good, Dan. So good and totally timely. I'm looking at this uh, nug. My neighborino did hit me with uh, the beautiful top of a, a cola here. It is frosty white. Um, it's got just a little bit of an inter- intermingling of uh, brown little furs. And on the nose, it's all earth. It's all pine. And it is very clean on the nose. I can I can smell its freshness. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and pop, pop this in uh, the bong and see what it says. Ooh, yes. Let's take a look at Where's My Bike. Where's My Bike is a sativa-dominant hybrid strain that provides a stellar option for growers looking to create a batch of hash. Oh, it's a hash resinous strain. Large volumes of resin. Interesting. The abundant resin production combined with her cerebral high makes her hash perfect for rolling temple balls. I've never heard of a temple ball before. Have you? No, I haven't. Hmm. Or for lining the center of blunts and joints during the day. Where's My Bike is the offspring of parent strains Amnesia... Ooh, Amnesia. (laughs) Amnesia and Biker Kush. A genetic pairing that has produced a highly productive strain with large flowers dripping in trichomes. When I ground this thing up, what hit me in the nose was almost like menthol freshness, like so crazy, like fresh and clean. And when I hit it, that like menthol tingling went right up to the top of my nose and out. And uh, it's pretty wild, actually. I've had Where's My Bike before, and I don't recall it being quite like this. Oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe this one is Ride My Bike. This is (laughs) after you found the bike. Yeah, you, where's where my at. bike, ride my bike, and can you help me with my flat tire or the three sister strains? Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, you know, I, I was just trying to, I was trying to place the flavor. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, a little bit harsher than I'd want. Uh, not a bad smoke for sure. Um, definitely a little on the... Uh, woodsy side which like generally for me woodsiness is not a flavor note I'm looking for because it's kind of common and it's kind of a little bland but there's actually a nice lingering sweetness it's almost only on my lips which is kind of interesting yeah yeah not not bad though like this is definitely something that I could I could smoke in a joint I don't think it's something I want to puff in a pipe you know what I mean it's more of a joint smoke I think Leafly says Candyland, a gold medalist of 2012 Kushcon, is a sativa-dominant hybrid bred from your favorite Granddaddy Purple and Mm. Bay Platinum Cookies. Golden hairs weave through Candyland's thick coat of sugar-like trichomes and highlight the compact camouflage-colored buds. Aren't all buds camouflage? Moving on. This strain grows well (laughs) indoors and out. And patients turn to Candyland when trying to moderate pain, muscle... Wow. Muscle tension and sour moods. Candyland offers uplifting and stimulating effects, making it a perfect strain for social gatherings or creative pastimes. Nice. Yeah, I just feel good, man. Sorry, where where did you, where did your description come from? I can't find the reference for the description. I had to go because Leafly has this like in some lab testing phase, which is interesting. I went to Canna Connection. Canna Connection. Nice. Yeah, so I, I'm enjoying, actually, there's a, it's weird, because this is a sativa-dominant hybrid, and I definitely feel like a little bit of a euphoric buzz going on, but my body is pure, like, relax. Mm. 
And I feel like that's a good example of that GDP creeping in. And GDP, I love it, man. It's got that, like, Granddaddy Purple, for me, is the ultimate weed sensation, right? It's the pinnacle of, for me, what weed is supposed to do to the human body, Mm -hmm. which is just that, like, nice, mellow, light Mona Lisa smile, muscle relaxation just throughout my body. And um, so well put. But this just got a little edge to it. You know okay. what I mean? This one's like making me bounce a little in my seat. I like it. This is nice. This is friendly, Dan. The where's my bike has risen up the front of my chest like a, a pink shimmering toffee. And while it has continued to crawl up my face, it's also nested like a small fledgling bird in my heart, creating a warmth heretofore heard from like an hp lovecraft description heretofore heard of even hp lovecraft oh darkness yeah. i don't know you you were describing it and something about somewhere around crawling up my face and then it's many fold eyes stared into me in a way that chilled my soul and maybe forget my grandparents namesake yeah, well, at least you got to see the secrets of the universe. Uh, just the one time say. is all you can do, and then your head. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be quick on my. Uh, ooh, this is just a comfortable spot. I just feel. You know, it's like a. It's like I'm sitting in a warm garden, mm. except I'm in my office and it's kind of dark. Uh, I got a little. Like a got a little Lovecraft over there too, and I feel something moving. So I have been playing, and I will talk about it in a future podcast, because I feel like this is going to be a good one, Elder Scrolls Online. And I've thrown some shade at this game over the years. I actually uh, purchased this about a year ago just to give her a try. And I don't know what it was. I think it was a time I was traveling a lot. I got into the game for a few minutes and, and never really gave it enough of a, of a fair shot. But I've been playing I've like a couple hours deep into it. And, you know, it's a really nice, it's a really nice almost couch co-op kind of game. You know, I'm playing it with my wife, and we, we have an opportunity to kind of settle in and play through a lot of quests. There's a lot of voice acting, a lot of story. The combat's a little floaty, I'm not going to lie. Like, I originally started with a melee character. Mm. Um, you know, had, like, a nice sword going, and I don't know, like, it just it didn't feel like my sword was connecting with anything. The people were dying. So I re-rolled as a caster, uh, and that's per- it's gone really well. It's really nice to light people up with fire. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been how can I say it's it's a little too early for me to uh, properly give you my thoughts on it, but I'm enjoying it so far. The world just feels expansive, very large, lots of quests to do, probably thousands of hours worth of quests. So I feel like it's if you if you're just looking for a cooperative, immersive RPG and you just want to play through it, I don't know if it's the pinnacle of you know social gaming guilds rating i don't know if any of that is really worth writing home about i i've heard some good things but not experienced it myself but the questing dan the questing is top shelf nice sometimes when you come to a game late it can be a very good thing the point that you're jumping yeah. in did you did you feel like the time was right yeah i did because you know i just i've been re I, i'm subscribed to reddit's mmorpg subreddit right and so i see a lot of chatter about mmos and you know, the, the multiplayer online RPG genre has really stagnated over the last five years. Uh, World of Warcraft ascended to the throne, and then there have been challengers, but I think it's had like a chilling effect on the industry. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's exactly what's happened, because I'll be honest, I've been a big, as you probably know if you've listened to the show, I've been a big fan of MMO games since the very beginning, right? Like, you know, I was an early early EverQuest player, but never really got far in that game. Mm. I, sh- I shouldn't say the very beginning. There was Muds and Mushes and Moos and Ultima and <laughs> lots are of you, stuff. Are you having a stroke, to- sir? 
<laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the early days of the internet. Anyway, regardless, I've been playing MMOs for a while and following the industry just as long. And, you know, it's like the past five years have really, it's just ground to a halt. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a pregnant pause where we're just waiting for the next iteration and it's just not come yet kind of thing. Um, but right now, you're either playing WoW, Final Fantasy, uh, Guild Wars, or Elder Scrolls Online. Like, those are the only games I see any coherent conversation about. And Albion is, like, floating around in the ether somewhere. It's a great game, but you need to, you need to really invest in a guild to get a lot out of that game. But I just see a lot of people talking about the Elder Scrolls. There's always, you know, people asking about it. How is it? What's going on? And the thing that everyone on the internet has to say about it is great questing just Mm. fun just fun to go in and play it like a multiplayer skyrim or something you know not the same breadth of features or impact on the world but a nice compromise for the sheer volume of content and dude they've got like morrowind in there they've got um uh skyrim in there they've got like really familiar land masses that will take you back to those early elder scrolls games like morrowind uh, and so on. And I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying the vibe so far. Um, I can't tell you that I'm going to be the next big, great Elder Scrolls streamer and making 30 million bucks on the next, uh, on Facebook gaming. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely, it's been interesting so far. I'll let you know about it. You know what? We should almost do a deep dive on MMORPGs and explore it because I think it's worth it. And I think Elder Scroll has the benefit of pitching you uh, on its IP. And when they're telling you that, they're saying like the quests are going to be kind of like this. They're going to be a little bit familiar. And uh, I did notice in the Elder Scrolls series, you go back as far to Daggerfall, the quests were like two paragraphs and very well written. And over time, I noticed them getting pared down and pared down to Skyrim. Sometimes they want, there's awesome quests in Skyrim. Sometimes they get paired to like uh, uh, fetch quests. Are you seeing that? Like, what's what? Tell me what the scope is of these quests, real like quick. Yeah, man. I mean, what can I say? It's like you know, I played a lot of MMOs, and I played Final Fantasy, and I played World of Warcraft, and every every one of those games has a different way of doing storytelling, and they all have big moments. You know, you get a lot more cutscene happening in Final Fantasy. You get a lot more voiceover happening in Elder Scrolls, World of Warcraft. Um, happens like in game you'll see a lot of like interesting things happen on the screen with uh, models walking around and doing things while you're running in circles and hitting you know silly buttons but it's elder scrolls uh, i feel like from a mmo perspective is maybe the quickest one to get you up to speed on like deep lore whereas final fantasy takes a little while to get you into Mm. the storyline but once you're there you're hooked like it's great story but i think Elder Scrolls feels more like there's a lot of story and it's all over the place. Cool. Yeah. So there's a, a lot of exploration offered. I it's a that. living, breathing world. Don't, don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Go ahead. You, you've you been playing, on the other hand, the Dark Millennium. Yeah. Like we've gone into the grim dark with, in the longest title ever, Warhammer 40,000, Inquisitor, Martyr. Ooh. <laughs> Yuck, yuck. <laughs> Martyr was pretty unnecessary. I think it's has to do with them wanting to be able to release more story content in a series. Like, because I think there was going to be Martyr, and then there was like one with a tech priest that they actually did eventually release. So that's the idea why he got some. Because uh, that's a long name. That's a mouthful. 
That's that's a sub subtitle to the subtitle. Uh, that could have carried me through a warp journey right there. So speaking right. speaking of uh, so Inquisitors in the Warhammer 40k universe, I feel there's only two types of people in the world: ones that know too much about Warhammer 40k. I think Andy, you and I are in that maybe in that boat, and people that are like maybe a passing recollection, if nothing at all. Does that seem fair? Oh, thousand percent. Those are the folks that walked past the strange games workshop store in the mall in uh-huh. the early 2000s and thought to themselves now what in the hell is this <laughs> right and yet you know it feels like it should be a big thing because how many how many franchises such as this have like store frontage the warhammer world is the most unlikely thing you know it's a deep so deep nerd hobby i think i gotta pause you and i think before we go any further you and i have to set the table about 40k as fast as possible and i'm gonna need your help so I'm going to start us off by saying it's 40,000 years in the future. Things have not gone that well. And mankind has uh, traveled across the stars. And instead of finding peace, they've found endless war. How's that for a start? That's a good one. And I think the other element you got to know is there's a corpse emperor that's psychically fueled by <laughs> psychers that are sacrificed to him in the thousands every day to keep him. I want to just let you know, this is this is. This is the deeper end of the pool. <laughs> Basically, <Okay>. this, <laughs> this, is, this is a far future post-apocalyptic setting where uh, everybody is evil functionally, functionally. Uh, from one perspective or another. Uh, and in this game, you play uh, an emissary of humanity and by extension, humanity's great, unfortunately, undead leader, the emperor. Uh, and you are absolute power laying waste to space aliens, uh, heretics, and evil cultists that materialize across the many galaxies. You're right, Andy. And don't think I didn't miss that space heresy, heresy. that you just uttered there about the unfortunateness of the our emperor. So, yeah, that's that's basically the layout. There's not a lot of hugs. There is a lot of chain swords and power armor and nuking planets from demons. orbit and demons. Yeah, losing your mind. That's just one of the things. In Star Trek... You go warp wastes of life. Warp, uh, we're gonna go uh, to Aldar Five, uh, warp eight, and you just dung, and you're like traveling through friendly space. In uh, 40k, to travel through space, you have to go through an unconscionable hellscape of mental uh, risk, uh, at, which is a gateway also to the world of demons to travel through space, and it can burn out your mind and your eyes, and you can die if you're navigating this space. Uh, so, you know, the risks are different. Warhammer 40,000 is maybe the most or Warhammer in general is like because there's a fantasy component is like the most unlikely thing ever because it's this deep, deep, deep nerd shit mm. that somehow found its way into shopping malls. Yes. And also happens to be a very successful company with the help of capitalism. Sure. And they have also they call it the Black Library. It's literally like a team of very talented authors writing fiction for this 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 fictional scientific uh, or sci fi future. And there's like hundreds of these books. It's, a, it's just it's mind blowing, really, Dan, how much there is to this like IP. Right. Anyway, one thing that they very rarely do right is video games. Generally. Smoking hot disasters, uh, with the exception of this game, I, I hear. Because their mainstay, to be clear, is miniatures, little models of of like the the, the units in this game, or that this game well, is based explaining on. Explaining this 
I think we do it. Cannabis. I think we do it. It's a war game. We can do this. We can do this. It's a war game. Think tiny plastic men involved. Think about chess. (laughs) If it was inspired by '80s space metal, um, and uh, yeah, and granular nerdy rules. And I wish I was in the equity investor meeting that connected this this uh, business with a mall storefronters like Skechers, right? Payless, and then Games Workshop in the Black Library. It's just, it's just, it's so absurd, Dan. It's so, like, and, uh, God bless, but like, wow. It's just, it's, it's so out of, anyway. Andy, listen, should we talk is, about the yeah. game? Should we talk about the game now? Yeah. Tell me about Inquisitor Martyr, because this is a game I've, I've purchased. I've not yet played. I'm excited about. I like it. You tell me about it. So, uh, much like maybe Elder Scrolls, this is a game that coming to it, uh, like two and a half years late to the party, or you know, a year and a half was was a good decision. Uh, it came back out in in 2018, and I looked at the Metacritic score. It's a 65. It's a tough Ooh. old 65. Mm. And uh, I skimmed through the. That's like a Costco steak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I skimmed through the the objections, and I was like, hmm, okay, pass, and I moved on to other things in my life. Then it came up for $7 in the PlayStation Store, and I said, this this is a $7 risk. And what I was greeted to on the other side was... You can't even get the sub of the day for $7. You can't. And if you do get it, nobody's happy about it. If you do get it, it's a cold-cut trio. That's right. And you ask for more lettuce, and they put a teeny bit more on, but you could see you'd reach you'd reach your limit. <laughs> you, you had imposed. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, it, this starts off with your uh, your chosen uh, character uh, investigating a sp- space Hulk that's floating out in deep space called the Martyr, and it blinks. It's a big spaceship. Yeah, in English. It's as if the biggest spaceship you could imagine um, also kind of uh, fucked a cathedral. That's what it looks like, because it is at least 60% spacefaring vessel, vessel and 40%, Space, let me do spaceship it. Spaceship copulation is a little fan fiction, <laughs> so we're clear, not canon. Not canon. Dan only, Dan only. But like, it's like there's there's these gothic churches that are like worked into the design of this ship, and you have to see it. Like what I'm saying sounds like nothing and nonsense. How are we having this conversation? No, it's perfect, Andy. This is it's the time. Space churches, giant space churches. Yes. Anyway, Continue. and- and so you're taking an Inquisitor to uh, search what uh, rumored great and powerful evil aboard this and space hall. Half of our podcast we're just in. switched over to the Joe Rogan show. <laughs> we're in. We're in. And uh, it's great. It's like a Diablo ARPG. Three ba- basic okay. character classes, Assassin, uh, Crusader, and Psyker. Uh, they each play very differently. Uh, I played the Crusader mostly, and he is, I would say, the most fun to play. You're you're doing the Diablo thing on well-storied missions, taking out evil entities, and just having a good old time doing it. Let me tell you, chainsorting your way through a gothic space church, it's not, it's not a bad deal. No. You know, there's something that why the 40K setting is so good is it just does like absurdist, post-apocalyptic, dark, gritty fiction so well, you know, and it's just it's really got a unique aesthetic. It really, it set the table for a lot of this stuff. And there's a lot of really impressive artists that are behind this this brand. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of they go back to the 80s. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. There's iconic pieces of art. It's almost like Frazetta. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's. There's a lot of really awesome art that's behind this this culture. And so, you know, when you look at like brands that have done something different, 
Warhammer has. You know, they, it's an incredible, uh, it's an incredible testament to like creativity in fiction and, and, and fantasy. Yeah. But boy, is it impenetrable sometimes. Oh, definitely. And we have not made a case for anything but that today. No. Uh, some of the story, some of the story beats definitely pull from some of the novelizations of Warhammer, mainly Eisenhorn and the Horus Heresy, which I know are your go-to guys in that forty-five plus book series. Yeah, there's forty-five books in that. That is, and it's not even done yet. Damn. <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure multiple writers, but that's that's more than there are James Bonds. People love writing about this universe. They right? do. It's uh, it's interesting because you look at some of the most popular science fiction IPs like Star Wars and Star Trek, and I would challenge you that the forty thousand you know reader base probably greatly outnumbers both of those IPs, which have tremendously much more commercial success, Star Wars specifically. Some, this is just really interesting. Somehow. And the reason why you probably haven't heard about it is because this is how hard it is to talk about. Like, where do you start in this particular realm? <laughs> yeah. In this game, they, they harness what's great about Warhammer. And that's, you're talking about something that's functionally ridiculous and kind of out there. And I would I would venture, venture is almost dumb in a way, but it does it so well, doesn't take itself too seriously while also being deadly serious and it just makes it all work in the most rad way I can explain and this game does that by the voice actors just grab onto it they're not afraid about going over the top but it doesn't get so bad you're like rolling your eyes it's right in that sweet spot where it works and how's the, sl the hack and slash and like I know that by the way I know there's like a lot of different mission configurations and it sounds like there's a lot of replayability baked into this game which for me in an ARPG is important you know randomized Lots of different game modes, lots of replayability. To me, that is is what makes an ARPG great. Would you agree that this has that in spades? Or hundred percent. I found playing the Crusader. He's the guy in power armor that is as close to a space marine as you can imagine. And I loved his his weapons. They all seem to have synergies inside the abilities where they run well into each other and represent a different play style. Like I'm playing a critical heavy, run in there, drop an AOE, knock guys on their ass. And that's with a chain sword. And if you want to go on a more defensive thing, maybe you're playing co-op and you're defending a psyker, you might go sword and shield. And that plays, you can feel the more de defensive synergies into your moves. And so although they only have a three classes, each class feels like it can be played a multitude of ways. Nice. Yeah. yeah that sounds really neat, man. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this game for sure. For sure. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's got, it's got a lot that appeals to me and, those gameplay modes, like I've not found an ARPG to settle into. Um, I think I'm just a little a tad bit behind on Diablo. Like I love it and I've played quite a lot of it, but going into seasons and stuff like that, it's not something that I've done. So this sounds like a really, and I know you've been, you've played the hell out of this game in the past few weeks. So I'm level 80 plus out of a hundred level cap and I, it never felt grindy. I enjoyed it the whole time. And kind of my final thought is they launched a problematic game that had some mechanical issues with leveling and gear and stuff. And much like Destiny did, they just fixed it right up. They changed the power level. They increased the speed at which the your, your guy runs. So it, it helps the missions go a little bit quicker. They just fixed all what I heard is pacing issues. And it's totally playable. And it, I know it's still $7 on Steam. I'm playing on PS4. No cross-platform, unfortunately, guys. But uh, if, if it's still $7 on PS now, pick it up. It's, it's worth it. Or sorry, PlayStation Store. The PlayStation Place. Speaking of PlayStation <laughs> and Xbox... Got those new consoles coming out, big boy. PS5 oh, and Xbox Series Andromeda yep. 2X. Century, <laughs> yeah, the, the third. The, 
Okay, let me throw some shade. Hit it. PlayStation 5. Successor to the PlayStation 4, 3, 2, and 1. Andy, I understand it because it's simple. Yeah, Xbox. Uh, the new one is called Xbox Series X. Correct. Following the Xbox One, which was actually the third Xbox in the series uh, after Xbox, help me if I'm right here, 360? That's right. Which followed the original Xbox. I You did very well. The only one you miss is the elusive Xbox One S, which is, I believe, where they are now, or One X. I believe that's where they're now, right? Isn't that just the Xbox Pro, or is that the PS Pro? Oh, Andy, don't ask many follow-ups. I have no idea. I, Dude, <laughs> so just name your name your thing normally. Let me know. Microsoft. <laughs> just Xbox Two? Cool. After the One, which is actually number three, but I could get along with that. Xbox Series X? Sounds like, like if you had a nephew and he was nine, he would be all about that. That is a title of a console that was decisioned by committee. That's the only way that it gets that yeah. bonkers, that hella bonkers. <laughs> There's like a fridge at Microsoft with a bunch of random words on it. And every now and again at lunch, people will reorganize it until eventually they have a launch. And I, I don't know if everybody's seen uh, the two consoles. I'm sure you have. Uh, the PS5 looks a little bit like a robot from Portal uh, and a router just jumped in together and made it all happen. And it also, it's bold in the color. We're talking white, black, and blue, and I'm more white than anything else. Controllers, too. I think we said they look like uh, the Avengers in Endgame when they're going to go time travel. Compared to the Xbox One X, did I, Series X, I, you can't do it right. Anyway, this, series. this one looks like a mini fridge. <laughs> it looks like a, some sort of maritime radar it should say prototype on the side because it looks like somebody turned a shoebox on the its end poked holes whatever for whatever hamsters laid within and just said it's gonna look like that <laughs> you know what i actually received a modem recently from rogers and it looks exactly the same as the playstation 5 as no no, God, no. As the, as I don't the know Xbox. what the PlayStation 5 looks like. Honestly, the PlayStation 5 looks like I'm going to board it. Like, I, I actually can't tell how large it is. This could be a spaceship, it a prototype vessel. It feels like Boston Dynamics is going to trick you into making a droid head that it's going to be fitted on, on one of the attack droids it makes in the next generation. Neither, I got to be honest, neither of these... Neither of these designs I find appealing. They're both pretty bad. I know what you mean. And I think what I'll say about the PS5 is I think it looks like that because of the cooling solution they went with. The PS5 looks like a Metal Gear Solid villain. It's big, Andy. And what you said was big and a little a little whack, but I love it. No, you're right. It yeah. could have arms. I, it would I get be called you. the one Kaidu Patriot. Uh, that is what it would be called. And it's also big, Andy. The PS5 is the largest console ever put out by Sony. That makes it bigger than the George Foreman Grill PS3. Like, we're talking big. How big is this thing? Is it door-sized? It looks door-sized. It's large. It looks like the size of a standard home door. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what is it? What are we looking at here, Dan? This is, oh goodness! It's like they, it's like they hosted like a drawing competition for elementary school students, and if you drew it and it was the best one, we we make a console out of it. You know what? We go back to um, uh, things done by study group, focus group. If the name of the Xbox Series X was focus group, the look of the PS5 was focus group. Bendier, longer. <laughs> 
Why does it have wings? It looks like it has wings. <laughs> does this fly? <laughs> does this thing fly? Make it look like an ice cream sandwich, but reverse colors. Also, the like every controller makes a face. Mm-hmm. I think we can agree on that. Sure. The face of the PS5 controller looks like the scary eyeball hand creature from Pan's Labyrinth. Mm, mm, mm. It's really nightmare inducing. You can say, tell Microsoft is sticking with the old standard. That's our controller. You like it. <laughs> I actually got I got a respect. Props to Microsoft right. for not messing with that. When you survive, the initial Xbox controller was holding oh, an man. entire loaf of bread is the best one I've ever heard <laughs> and, and come back from it. You don't start messing with the formula. It's like holding a real, a real crusty rye. Just a full... Now that we've goofed on both these units, I have a legal obligation to talk about their specs, and I'm going to gloss over them. High level, PS5 has great performance. It's about three and a half times faster than the PS4. The Xbox Series X is a little bit faster than that. It's definitely a, a, a little bit better in terms of overall specs, about four times faster. And it's yet to be seen. We'll really have to play them to see which one edges them uh, edges the other out in actual performance. The focus on this generation is very clearly uh, low loading times. A couple little uh, you know feathers in the hat of graphics. They're talking about things like ray tracing. 8K, 120 hertz has been all the way Ooh. promised at uh, the PlayStation uh, Dan, side of the house. What are T flops? Oh, T flops. Do you want to talk about to the teraflops? Uh, the flop, that's what you do when you've had to do 12 million tears of something. You flop. It's a flop. Yeah. P-flop. It's, it's a measurement of computational data as leveraged by usually a CPU and in some cases a GPU, uh, both mathematical coprocessors oh. that take uh, internal, now do the snore, internal voltages and Jeez. turn them into binary oh. oscillators. Choking. Choking, <laughs> uh, choking under the weight of this. I put a game in the tray. It looks great. <laughs> Asked and answered, it's buddy. It's real good. Asked and answered. It looks great. I just, Series X, unless there's a series of them, in which case I would argue the whole purpose of a console generation is simplicity. Mm-hmm. I don't need to buy new console parts or dongles or else I'd just have a friggin' computer. So I don't make it a series. Make it a single console. And if that's the case, don't call it a series. It is as if they're threatening you with further consoles. And it does feel like a that's threat. That's what it feels like. It feels like I'm going to buy the first one in the series, and then there's going to be another one in the series. I understand that that's the evolution of gaming consoles, but that's usually like a five-year gap. And if you're make, if you're calling it into question right now, uh, there's going to be a series of these things. I don't want to spend $600 on it. Marketing reserves the right to release another very different console in six months. Um, Come on. (laughs) You can tell they do. Nothing has been said like, okay, this brings us to the next point. Uh, uh, There's a a discless edition for PS5. Uh, It's going to be be a little bit cheaper. And uh, while uh, Microsoft hasn't said that that's that's a for sure thing, the rumors of the Xbox Series S, the discless digital only version, (laughs) is rumored. Oh, it's so hard. (laughs) Okay. Two does not make a series. Two is not a series. Two is actually, uh, by definition, shortest series you can have, actually. No, two uh, is a mini-series at best. <laughs> it's, that is a two-part uh, docudrama. A two-part, uh, everything is wrong with this. Anyway, I'm sorry for being needlessly negative. I just, come on, man, name it the Xbox Two. Andy, and let's get on you with gotta our lives. look past the hurt and see the love, because we're gonna get, we're gonna get hits from the Microsoft folks, both fan and corporate. We got to give them a little love. And something I love that they're doing is they're talking about both backwards compatibility 
and I guess forwards compatibility. And it's mm. it, they've committed to every single console they've put out before. Games will be able to be playable. I think the the one the list they gave was like 345 games, and possibly other games. So you will be able to pop a lot of if you're a guy that collects discs like a lot of our good buddies do. Um, they love to be able to toss every single uh, Xbox game they ever owned into this this console and potentially and most likely play it. Like that's, I get that. That's huge, right? And it, it's that's a big, huge. It's a big selling point for me. PlayStation has rumored it, but they haven't come out full firm. Um, but we have, we have seen statements that really make me feel good on both sides, like Cyberpunk 2077 has come out and said, if you buy the game for Xbox, when the, the new Xbox drops, you'll be able to play that disc and it will come with the best version available, like, the the version that it's for that console and those are going to be the things that make the difference for so many people for me it's about the library i own digitally and physically and if you can throw in the promise that the games that are going to be released on both systems you will give me an automatic upgrade now i'm seeing the benefits of of the 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 digital thing that we're doing here i see a little bit of the the love from that because uh, backwards compatibility is either respecting a library that you've built with with a console or you're not and playstation's been a little rocky on that where whereas microsoft has been very very strong in that in that department yeah i agree with you man you know i, I i'm very excited for both of these consoles mm. i think that it's you know it's exciting a new generation comes about new technical capabilities it's such a weird time now especially like being in the twilight phase of any console is just weird because even new games that come out feel like old games, you know. So in, sometimes, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for I'm excited for this new uh, this new generation. Yeah, you know, and, and and there's really not not much shade to be thrown here except for the fact that things look weird and they're named weird. But other than that, as long as it captures the simplicity that I'm looking for out of a console, because make no mistake, that's why I go to a console because it's simple, Dan. There's no specs to understand. There's no needing to know if my computer can handle the game that I'm buying. I don't need to do any of that research. It's for the PlayStation 5 Spectacular. I'm going to put that in. Yeah. I really Absolutely. hope it's not. This is for the Series X V3. They can't. They can't. <laughs> can't they be. Can't. Of course it can't. Be. Then that you're would not, be insanity. Then you're not that talking about a series. That is, uh, what do you call the sequel? That would be a sequel, not the series. And I, I think, just my only thought is I think back to like the new 3DS, and that really bummed me out because like that the new 3DS came out. There were some enhanced technical capabilities, but there were like 10 games or however many games that you could only play on the new 3DS. I think what really needs to be recognized and where I think it's easy to miss this, what's going up on the screen with this next console will represent, I'm going to argue, some of the best visuals we'll see from a game ever. I think games will change and continue to grow. But in terms of this version where we're connecting a console to a TV, like 8K, 120 hertz, you're like we're hitting a kind of upper ceiling of what your eyes will you know entertain and and get get the benefit from and so that's it makes it a really wild time because i think a lot of the companies know that too and they have to think of ways to continue to innovate or their next generation might as well of consoles after this one might as well not exist you know so it gets a little weird it gets a little weird yeah well We'll see it all real soon. And now it is pretty much time for us to say goodbye, Dan, due to some time constraints on this podcast. So soon. I just want to send us out on Mary Jane's dopest stoner anthems of our time. We're going to go real fast here, Dan. If you know a line, sing it. Number one, Afro Man, because I got high. Go ahead. I didn't want to punch the guy because I got high. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to work because I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Sublime. 40 ounces to freedom. Smoke two joints. I smoke two Let's joints in the morning. I smoke two joints at night. Ooh. If I had a million. No, no. Nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, ooh, the next one's an ad. All right. Cypress Hill. I want to get high. I, nothing. Insane in the membrane, uh, buddy. Insane in the membrane. Yep. Uh, Day and Night by Kid Cudi. Day and oh, Night. No. Uh, uh. Oh, is that the one? It's Kid Cudi. Da, 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 it's uh, Kid Cudi. Oh, my night. Yeah, okay. Uh, another advertisement. Ooh, <laughs> Kaya by Bob Marley. I'll, I'll let you. I'm not going to disrespect Marley boom, like that. Boom, boom, boom. No, no. Mary Jane by Rick James. Nope. Don't got it. Eh? Hot. <laughs> getting... Good God. Hot damn. Hey. Kiss myself. Hey. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, another advertisement. Uh, ooh. Gin and juice. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know how that goes. Huh. Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe by Kendrick Lamar. Come on. Oh, I I know of the Kendrick and the Lamar. Uh, highest in the Room by Travis Scott. Andy, this is the best uh, segment we've ever done. It's a music segment with no music. Sweet Leaf by Blacks. <laughs> uh, it's my favorite track. I remember how that one goes. We got some Rihanna, 3-6 Mafia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Muddy Waters. This is really Last Dance with Mary Jane. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, this is, this is a, a heat rock of a section. <laughs> And I think the perfect way to end the podcast. What's the best? What's the best one? Do we got a Cheech and Chong on there? Uh, nope. Uh, unfortunately, we've exhausted all of our <laughs> <laughs> because I got high. Because I got high. Uh. Listener questions or games you want us to play? Purple Dungeon Squid. Hit us up. Purple Dungeon Squid at gmail dot com. And if you like this recording where we got terminally baked and then rambled on beautifully. Recommend it to a friend or don't. I'm not your father. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid. Until next time. Please, my friends, keep it dank. Fuck, I am high.